everyone. Welcome to this Recovery from Relapse meeting. Today is Tuesday, the 9th of May, 2023, and today we are privileged to have Kathleen with us. Kathleen came into OA in 2010 and resides in Chicago. So Kathleen, we look forward to hearing your story. I am so happy to see you all. I am brought to tears. So I'm going to just say a little prayer. Lord, just lead me, guide me. Give me the words from my heart. Let your spirit of truth speak true through me, God, to help others. Bless this time we have together, this wonderful fellowship. Thank you. Praise you for your goodness and your love for us, your deep affection for us. Thank you. Amen. Oh, boy. I was just going to ask if this meeting, where does this meeting originate from? It seems like there's a lot of Irish people. Does it come from Ireland? I mean, is it, it's, it's is fully it, global. Pardon me? It's fully global. Fully global. Okay, interesting. Um, I'm, I have Irish ancestry as well. My grandparents came from Ireland. And so I have a special love for the Irish uh, people. So I'm just delighted to see so many of them on this, on this um, meeting and, and others as well. I hear, I can see there's some from the US too. So, oh my heavens, where do I begin? I was terrified and have been terrified to speak at this meeting. It's just something that terrifies the living daylights out of me. Um, and I thought of, had thoughts from time to time, I need to call and say, I cannot do this. I cannot speak at this meeting. Um, but I feel my higher power was saying, don't do that, just do it. Be afraid and do it. And so that's what I'm doing. And, um, but when I'm now in your presence, I am so grateful for this fellowship. Um, so I'll start with, um, how did it all begin? Well, let me see now. I started actually in probably the late 1980s uh, going to ACOA. I am an adult child, I'm an alcoholic and lots of alcoholics in my family. In fact, I have I, my family of origin, there were six children. Uh, we're fine Irish Catholic family um, and we, uh, all, all of us had addiction problems, every one of us. My father was an alcoholic. My mother was uh, a codependent enabler to some degree. So um, that was my background. Um, in, 19, in the late 1980s, um, I started going to ACOA. I went for a little bit. I wasn't committed, but I did learn some things about why I was the way I was. Um, finally, in 1995 um, or 94, I uh, became a member of AA. Um, I had a, an alcoholic problem and I did become a member of AA. Um, at that time, my mind started to get clear about some things. And about a year into my recovery in AA, 
um, I began to wonder about some of my eating habits. <laughs> and they had never been strange to me before, but with the clarity of mind that I've got from without the alcohol and, and, and you know, getting closer to God, my, I began to say, you know, something is wrong with my eating. I, I, was, a, I was a thin person, um, but I exercised a lot. Um, I know one time I was talking to my AA sponsor and, um, you know, I, I said to her, I think I have some kind of eating problem, you know, I, I eat weird and I do weird things and get on weird diets and stuff. And she said, well, uh, I had told her I eat ice cream for dinner. And she said, well, eating ice cream for dinner might be an indication you have a problem. And um, so I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe she's right about that. And there was an OA woman in our AA fellowship. And I talked to her and I just said, I, I think I have a problem with eating. And she said, oh, just go to, a go to OA. Um, and here's a number for my, with my sponsor, call my sponsor. And so because I was in the place where I was listening to what people said uh, and told me to do, I actually did that. I went to an OA meeting, I called her sponsor and that was like in 1995, 96, something like that. And in those, I, I, I went for a short time to, to OA, maybe two years. And in that time, I did find out some things about my eating disorder. Um, and I, I gained some knowledge about it. And I stopped eating sugar and I stopped eating white flour and I lost 20 pounds. Um, I was happy about that. But that wasn't the main thing. Um, uh, however, and, and I talked, I, and I had a sponsor and I talked with her, but she didn't bring me through the steps at that time. Um, and really, I, I know I got something, like for instance, I learned that we have, in America, we have these places in the, in the grocery stores where they have bulk food. And I would take the bulk food and uh, put it in a bag, bulk candy. Um, and I put it in the bag and I eat the whole bag going through the grocery store. And I thought that was perfectly fine. And then I'd go back and fill the bag so I could bring some home. And I learned uh, in, in my OA meetings and, and it came to my mind that that was stealing. I had never thought of that as being stealing. And so my conscience started to uh, get clear. Um, and then I remember the very first thing I ever stole in my entire life was a, um, a Heath bar, which is a, it, it's chocolate toffee bar. That's the first thing I ever stole in my whole life. And this, I, when I stole again, it was several years later and I opened up a bag of Oreo cookies at, at a grocery store and I, I ate them. Uh, I ate a lot of them and, and left the bag there. I didn't eat the whole bag, but I was met at the door uh, by the, the grocery manager saying, are you gonna pay for this? And that, I was a teenager. When I did the first thirst, my, my first thievery, uh, I was probably about 10 years old and I know I was a teenager. So there I was with that and, and I became aware of, oh yeah, that was the first thing I stole. So must be a problem. Anyhow, um, 
I, I continued in AA. I became a, a very active member in, a, in AA. Um, but I stopped going to OA because I, I had to go to Families Anonymous uh, in, in treatment with one of my sons for uh, drug addiction. And there were just, just so many meetings I could go to at the time. And so I chose to go to Families Anonymous and I did not return to OA until 2010. So um, I had lost this weight in the 90s. By 2010, I had gained it all back and then now I was 169 pounds and gaining very, very quickly. And in those years from the 90s to 2010, my disease had progressed. Um, and I found, you know, when I was younger, I was able to control my eating with these weird diets and exercise. Um, I, I always thought that I was fatter than I was. Um, and my sister would say, you know, you are very thin and I, you know, and, and I was reading books about how to get thinner. And, um, but in those years, 169 pounds, 2010, and I could not, uh, I did not like OA. Um, I thought it was, a it was not as much fun as AA. People seemed to be more serious. Um, I had a hard time in the fellowship when I was, I was judging people, you know, but I still came because I felt that God was directing me in 2010 to go to, to OA. I, I don't usually make uh, New Year's resolutions, but in 2010, I saw I was losing control of, of the food. I was not able to control my weight anymore. And um, I made a resolution. I would go back to OA and, and find a sponsor. And that is what I did, but I knew that God wanted me to go. That was the direction he was sending me. And I didn't want to, but I did. And I always, I did not feel good in the meetings. I felt like I wasn't getting it. Um, I asked uh, one of the OA members one day, um, well, what is your food plan? What is your food plan? And she said, well, you still don't get it, do you? You're still trying to control the food. And I thought, well, duh. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the point? You have to control the food. That's 10 and minutes. Thank you. And so, thank you so much. And so I was thinking, oh, I'm not getting it. No, I'm not getting it. But I continued to go. I continued to work with a sponsor. I got my old sponsor back from years ago. She worked with me on a lot of issues. Um, you know, my body, hatred of my body that I had, loathing my, my body, not wanting to look in the mirror at myself. Um, I had a lot of emotional issues still, although I had a lot of recovery in AA, a lot of spiritual recovery, a lot of emotional recovery. You know, I was still fighting food. I was still fighting others from time to time. Um, there was still emotional and spiritual growth that I needed. And she was helping with me with that, learning how to accept where I was, um, learning to accept the weight I was, learning, she taught me to look at what God had, was, had done in my life and not at, what, at, all my, at my faults and, and what I failed at. And so she was teaching me to come out of that place of negativity all around my body, uh, my body image. And so I learned a lot from her. She was wonderful. Um, 
but I did say I, to myself and to others, I am not going to say my, my big addiction is sugar. That is my main addiction. And I could not say, well, I, you know, to begin with, I am gonna, I'm gonna abstain from sugar because I knew that sugar always wins. I've tried so many times in my life to abstain from that. And I, it always came back, it, it always won. And I thought I'm not going there. And I, I also was not going to start calling in my food and things like that because I saw people who first came into OA, I saw they were not, they did not stay long uh, because they started to call in their food and try to follow a food plan that they were unable to follow. And then they would be overcome by shame. And I, and I, didn't, I didn't see them again in the meeting. And I thought, I'm just not going there. And, um, but I still worked with my sponsor. And uh, that wasn't one of her requirements for me calling the food. Um, the requirements was to learn how to accept where it was at, uh, to learn not to quit fighting the food. And, but by 2015, by some miracle, and it had to be a miracle, I, I found abstinence from sugar. I was on my way to a, uh, to a day where I was gonna have to go to two birthday parties and face two cakes. And that was one of my huge weaknesses and all on all the stuff that goes with birthday parties. And I, I had recovered enough to, the, to this point uh, in 2015, um, from 2010 to 2015, that you know I, I could talk about the food and I could talk about what I was struggling with. And so I called a, um, a man that was in our fellowship and I think he was sponsoring me with, um, I finally agreed to send in my food by 2015. And um, I was working with two sponsors, my original one and then this man who I called food into. And um, I called him up on my way to these birthday parties in the morning. And I said, you know, I need to help. I don't want to eat these cakes. And he said, okay, uh, is, is your life unmanageable? Does, are you, does the sugar make your life unmanageable? Yes. Uh, do you believe that a higher power can restore your sanity? Yes. Um, have you decided to give your will and your life over to care of God? I said, yes. He said, okay. If you go to go and if you have any problems during the day, um, give me a call. And just those questions, <laughs> it was a short conversation. I did not eat the cake. I did not eat the candies. They were calling me, but I was able to not eat them. That was huge. And that was in December sometime around Christmas time. And I continued to, to not have to eat the sugar. Even through Christmas, I didn't get into the sugar, which is a huge sugar holiday for me. All, all the holidays were sugar holidays for me. Um, but by the, I think it was December 23rd, I know, 28th, I was so exhausted from eating, uh, not eating, but I was so exhausted from the whole Christmas thing. Um, I, I was very tired and I was sitting with a, in, in, in sitting in the room that I was in, uh, there was this toffee that I would eat like a pound at a time. And I thought I wanted some of that toffee and I, I took a bite of it and I thought, I don't even want this. And then I thought about, oh my God, I haven't eaten any sugar in maybe weeks. I didn't even notice how long it was. And now this eating this toffee would be like slapping God in the face because God had given me the grace 
just unexpected grace to not have to get into the sugar for that holiday. But the big, huge trigger was tiredness. But I did, I was able to say, God help me. And I put that down and I saw, I, I got a connection with God. I thought, oh my God, God is doing this in my life. And I'm not, I'm not going to insult him by taking this. And then began my recovery from what I call recreational sugar. And I, I had that for till 2020. Uh, and I continue that to, to, to today, but, and, but up to 2015 to 2020, I remained in AA, I, I sponsored people, uh, OA, I mean, I sponsored people, I had neutrality from the sugar, from the cakes and the candies and, and those things that were really huge, huge addictive triggers for me. Um, but I really didn't look at ingredients and things like that. I didn't even know about doing that. And in 2020, when the coronavirus came, was, was upon us, uh, I began to listen to Vision for You. The reason I had is because one of our fellows in, in OA meeting uh, before the virus, the face-to-face -face meetings that I went to, um, for five years, we were going to these meetings together and she stayed, she was overweight. She stayed the same weight the whole time. And she was always struggling. And uh, I met her, I hadn't seen her for a while. I met her in a meeting and I saw her weight had changed, gone down. She was confident, she was bright, she was excited. And she said, she was said, you know, she started listening to Vision for You. She was going to this meeting. And so I thought maybe that, you know, I'll go because all that I felt in, you know, even with the abstinence from the sugar, I still felt like I was, I wasn't like everyone else. I wasn't absent enough. I wasn't getting something. I, I felt guilty and shame sitting there because I was still struggling with certain foods. So I, during the virus time, I started listening to Vision for You in like March and I did not take part in the meeting. I just listened to it. And um, by August, um, they were reading uh, about the, you know, Bill, they'd come to reading about uh, Bill being in Winchester Cathedral and this you know, doggerel about the guy dying from, from drink um, was uh, an ominous warning to him. And during this time that I was listening to Vision, I was struggling with, with you know, with other foods, with eating pizza. I was seeing a nutritionist. I couldn't stop eating pizza. I couldn't eat pizza according to my plan. Um, I, had, I was struggling with popcorn, you know, all these different foods. And I just felt shame all the time. Every time I come to a meeting from, and for all the years that I went, I just felt shame like I wasn't getting it. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't um, absent enough. Um, but I still sat, came, sat in chairs. There was, I still had growth, spiritual growth, emotional growth too, but always sitting with this shame. And finally, when they said an ominous warning, um, I knew I was isolating, even going to these meetings. I was not taking part in them. I did not want to sponsor people anymore. I was tired of that. And so the ominous warning was that I was in relapse and that I needed to introduce myself um, 
in this meeting and I was terrified to do it as a newcomer, but because I, God really did speak to my heart. The ominous warning is all of these feelings you've had, the shame, the not wanting to sponsor, the, the wanting to isolate. It, it's an ominous, ominous warning, introduce yourself. I did, after I did that, I told the truth about where I was at. I was just floundering in my program. I was still absent from recreational sugar though. I never did break that absence by God's grace. I never did, <clears throat> but I knew there was something I needed to go. I needed to go deeper. I needed to go further. I did not want to do the work. That was the problem. That's 20 minutes. And so I um, called, I, I did that introduction. And right after that, somebody called me to welcome me. And I, we talk, I, I shared with her the struggles I was having with specific foods. I struggled with leaning out of the fellowship. I had trouble with leaning in. Um, and so we had kind of a brief conversation, but about the pizza, she said to me, uh, you know, I, I, she said, of course. I said, what would I do without pizza? You know, we, we, my family gets together and we eat this pizza together and it, you know, it's like fun and it's a wonderful thing. And she said, well, of course you don't want to stop eating that because that's how you make connection. That's how you connect. And I thought, oh my God, I thought it was because I was bad. And I saw it wasn't that it was because I wanted to connect to people. And, and that's how I use the food in a lot of, a lot of cases in my life. And seeing that, and understanding that right at that moment when she said that, I realized that I was my mind was opening. I became willing at that moment to do things I would not ordinarily do, which was to make a red list and a green list and a yellow list. I was never, never willing to do that. And she suggested that. And I was willing to do what she suggested. And, um, and then I realized, you know, about the pizza going... It, it, it like came to my mind when I was very young. Um, the, my mother was home on Saturday. She worked in the evening uh, for, for the telephone company and we were left with my drunk father. But on Saturday, she was, she was, she'd be off many Saturdays and we'd have pizza and the house was full of sunshine because my mom was there and, and pizza and the fun of eating it and being together and watching TV. I felt a connection. And now I was able to connect the dots and realized it was, it was connected to, to not because it was bad, it was connected to this other thing. And so I became, I, I had said this prayer, the set aside prayer, the vision did teach me the set aside prayer, help me to set aside everything I think I know about this disease, about the 12 steps, about you God, about me, so that I can have an open mind and new experience. I prayed that prayer for all those months in 2020 from March to August. And in August, after this woman spoke to me, I had, I was beginning to have a new experience. My mind began to become open to doing these things I was not willing to do up till then. Right after that, I hung up the phone with that woman. Another woman called me from the vision to welcome me. And she was, it was very fast thing. And I, and, and I, you know, it spoke a little to her about my experience and she said, do you have a sponsor? I said, no. And she said, well, get one and don't sit on it. And I took her advice. A week later, I called the first woman and I said, would you sponsor me? And she said, yes. And 
I was willing to make the red list, the, the, the red, yellow list, the green list. And I was on a plan at that time, because uh, in 2015, I did go to a nutritionist and got on a plan that I could never really follow uh, completely. I had lost weight all of these years coming to OA, like from 2010 uh, I had, to 2015, um, I had gone, I, I lost, I had gone from 169 pounds to like 159 pounds. I lost 10 pounds. Um, so I was losing the weight, but now I was actually able to stay on this plan. And, um, but when I got, when I got serious about the food, my sponsor had me looking at ingredients and stuff. And I realized I was eating things with sugar in it, like sweet pickles. I was eating sweet pickles. I didn't even think that they had sugar in it. So she said, you know, I want you to get squeaky clean and look at ingredients. And I hated that doing that. It was taking time. You have to go to the store, look at ingredients. It was such a pain in the ass. And I was mad about having to do it. Uh, but I did start doing that. And that forced me to have to start to find new ways to eat. It forced me be just looking at the ingredients. I thought, I can't eat this. So what can I eat? You know, and, um, and I, start, I started losing weight really kind of quickly um, from 2000 um, from the from September to maybe January I had gone from 149 pounds to about 130 pounds I am now 117 118 pounds and I that weight has been maintained for over two years now um, without really any very little effort you know I have to look at my plan and things like that but and and deal with that and work on that but um i by god's grace i've been maintaining a normal body weight which i cannot hardly believe but at any rate um the thing that got triggered though when i started cleaning up my food it just got the food just got cleaner and my i started getting clearer but the thing that was really triggered was this deep deep shame it just the shame came up in me I had terrible fear that I wasn't gonna be able to stay abstinent. I had to talk to my sponsor every day about that. I was still full of fear and shame. And I find that, you know, I believe that in the big book, you know, they say fear is, is, is one of the worst things that we can have as, as you know, addicts. And I think world round, world round that would apply. Um, but I would add to that shame fear and shame. And I think that they, they're brothers and sisters. And so that is the thing that God started to deal with in me is the shame, the deep, deep shame that I carried for so many years. Um, and I'm finding that that is also, uh, um, it's, it's a symptom of my codependency because I have other addictions and codependency is one of them. Learning more about that, getting free from that. Um, but in, and so I continued uh, with the sponsor and still with the sponsor uh, since September of 2020. And I did have a relapse in 2022. Uh, my eating got a little bit sloppy um, and I, I ate something with high fructose in it, which was one of my red light foods and um, talked to my sponsor about it. She said, well, I think you should start again. And I really did need to because I was starting to get sloppy with, with food and and um, eating some things that uh, I found were triggering. 
And so I started again. So I've been abstinent for 15 months. Um, um, but in, in 2023, in this year, I have been, my eating has been evolving, you know, and I came, I have a, I have a, a nutritionist, I have another nutritionist that I work with. And I came to find out that I have a, a, an eating disorder and the, the dynamics that I was not aware of. And when all this, this shame and guilt came up, you know, my sponsor would say, it seems like you just look for ways to make yourself miserable. You know, your eating's okay. Your weight's remaining the same. You know, why do you have to be miserable? Because I'd think, oh, I should be, I should stop eating this food and I should stop eating that food. And I'd listen to people and they'd say they had to lay down this food and they had to lay down that food. And I was thinking, maybe I should lay down those foods. Maybe I need to lay down those foods, but I don't want to, I don't want to lay down those foods. And then the guilt and the shame. And I had to talk about all of this, this cluster of crap that was going on in my mind constantly. Two minutes. And so this is two minutes to 30, 30, right? That's correct. And so what I'm dealing with now is looking at that, um, that disorder, working with a nutritionist. I, it's called orthorexia. And it's, it's uh, you can look it up. Um, but it's, it's, I'm finding out I was taking on other people's issues. And uh, what I have to do now is find out what works for me, what works for me. And now I have to ask God about that. So I'm finding that. But what I'm finding freedom from in these years is I have a, a normal body weight. I have freedom from acid reflux. Um, I have a bad knee that I've lost all the cartilage on one side of it. I stopped eating bread and as a result of that because it, it's a trigger food but as the good result of that is that i have arthritis too i my symptoms have lessened um, i was supposed to have knee surgery with a knee replacement in 2020 and from not eating the gluten which is inflammatory i didn't know even know it was inflammatory i didn't stop eating bread because of the gluten i just because it's trigger but i stopped eating the gluten and my the the arthritis has gotten better I play pickleball three times a week with this knee and do not need surgery at this time after you know, two years of, of it, it got better. Um, I'm, and I'm learning to live in the knowledge of the presence of God. And in the big book, it says the most important thing for us is learning to live in the consciousness of the presence of God, in the consciousness of presence of God. And I am living in that. I'm living with my limitations, my human limitations. Um, the shame still comes up from time to time. Um, but I have a sponsor. I have God. I have a nutritionist to talk to about that. Um, but I'm getting closer to God in my relationship. That had a change. That had a change, too, because I, a lot of my relationship with God what had to do with the shame and I wasn't able to get, get, get closer to God because of the shame That's and, and the feeling like I'm bad. So I'm learning to live in the knowledge of the consciousness of God. And I believe that is the, the, the most important thing in my life. Um, even though I don't struggle with, with my own emotional problem from time to time, I find peace as I get in touch with my higher power each day through prayer and meditation. And so with that, I will close. Thank you.